Hey y'all, welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm Akemini. I'm Michelle. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, sisters. How y'all doing? Well, <laughs> well, um, Yes. Can you put some more steak on it, please? Well, 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 um, well, 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 yeah. Now give us some uh, Karen Clark Shield echo. And then we... <laughs> that is like a superpower for crying out loud. Yeah. Echo singing business. Only Karen can do her own echo, though. Oh, my God, Lord. Oh, my God. Yo. We got faux tonsils. Shout out to our listeners and our followers who started the bring back hashtag bring back the well campaign. It was very successful on Twitter. It only it only took one tweet to get Michelle together. So we love you, black woman. We do. And I and I listen and I trust. You know, you can't preach trust black women and then not do it. Come on yes. now. Come on. We got to listen to y'all. So thank you for bringing back the well. Thank you for starting the campaign. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> how are y'all doing though? Now, Akimini, on Twitter today, you tweeted about um, this. What is going on in Africa where 30% of the continent has not been reached? And I just, I feel like Child. we need to pause and take a moment and Child. talk about how, um, yeah, that, that was some mess. To that me. took me out. That article was some mess. <laughs> we need Western out. workers to come and colonize African minds, is what I read. Child, I was like, <laughs> uh, Africa don't need none from y'all. You know <laughs> y'all need to come and learn from us all the time. Always. <laughs> like, what? That was just like, what are you talking about? I was like, really? We're still we're still with this mm-hmm. propaganda, spewing this colonization nonsense still. Still, that's still impacting the continent. That just, I just, that took me out. I couldn't, I had to say something. I can't hold my peace. It's so ingrained though. This, Mm. this notion of who rescues, rescues who Mm -hmm. is, it's something that it's like the air people breathe. They cannot even see it. So it's like, what? Like, what do you mean? It's like, yeah, like there are lots of Christians in Africa. (laughs) Lots of Christians in Africa. Can somebody show me a continent where seventy percent have heard the gospel? Can can anybody? Mm-hmm. Like, amazing. are you serious? It's amazing, mm-hmm. Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot. So I was like, oh no, I gotta shut this down. This is too much for me. I was like, I can't. Not when. Not when I know the Im- impact of colonization, mm-hmm. like literally down to our family name. So mm-hmm. what are you saying to me? I can't stop it. Cut it out. <laughs> That's right. Christianity been in Africa, been in Africa, and it will be in Africa. And it is growing. Just because you don't recognize what Pentecostals cut it out. I cannot. (laughs) It was was crazy. That was crazy days. Twas a lot. Twas a lot. I didn't expect people to really pick up on that like that. But I was like, okay, well, well. So (laughs) I had to do it uh, because I was like, y'all wearing me out. Um, So, uh, okay. So this is our mailbag episode. See, our listeners, you guys see how loose we are right now, right? It's (laughs) It's a good day. Just it's free. A good, it's free. a good day to get loose and be free because we are going to answer your questions. Mm-hmm. You've sent yeah. us QR awesome. little mailbag charm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we are, we're excited. We're excited to dip into our mailbag and answer some of your questions. Obvi, we can't answer everything. But as always, you guys can be sending us questions because we will continue to do these. We're going to try to do these at least, I don't know, once a quarter, at least twice a year. How about that? Um, so, yeah. So, do email us your questions and we'll give you the email address at the end of the show. But yes, it is our mailbag episode. Yay. Yay. Um, Okay. So I'm excited about this first question because yes, this first question is very valid Mm -hmm. and interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the question, uh, I don't even, we actually don't even have the name of the, uh, the, uh, the person who asked it, but it doesn't, I guess that's okay. Uh, the question is, why did y'all add the new tagline? This table is built by black women and for black women. Does this mean non-black women shouldn't listen? Mm. What y'all think? 
Why did we add the tag? <laughs> Go back into time. <laughs> dun, 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 it dun, is dun. always important to be explicit. The yes. table has never been something that we built for people other than black women from the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think that we have receipts on that. And I think that people should listen to receipts if they wonder. <laughs> like, oh, literally right. listen to receipts. Yeah. 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 Read them. Yep. Listen yep. to them. And I, I really think that folks will hear us talk about how we are carving out space for black women. Yeah. So any surprise that people may have at hearing us be explicit every week, uh, that, that surprise is not on us as much as it is. <laughs> that surprises me. Hearing. That's yeah. Because you mean, ain't been paying attention. I mean, yeah. So. Well, I'm going to say this. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm too loose right now. <laughs> so, you are free. <laughs> but, but this is what I've been I've been on vacation, so. You know, um, but it really, what we needed to do was we, we felt like we needed to uh, – be uh, explicit because we have people infiltrating, okay, and trying to colonize the table, uh, to, to be quite <laughs> frank. And so after gender apartheid popped off, uh, we had all types of people trying to man, quite literally, man the table. Wow. And that's not going to happen. And so no. for us, we were like, hold up, let's make sure that everybody knows who this table is for. It is for black women. Um, but everybody else can listen, but know that if you're listening and you're in the room, it's standing room only because this priority is given to black women because we ain't never got a table, mm-hmm. you know? And so this is, this is the space, the one space, you know, that, that, um, that is for black women, um, and built by black women so they can feel safe and they can feel heard, um, and lay down, lay down their burdens for about a good 30 minutes, 45 minutes, maybe an hour on a really, you know, special off day or something. <laughs> you know, for us, we try not to go to an hour because you never know what we might say. And so, uh, so that is, that's really what happened. Though. I just, I want to make that very plain because it really was somebody was, people were trying to actually take this table from us, yeah. um, which is no, this table will be broken broken down what God says is broken down. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's my two cents on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add, uh, maybe more than two cents, but I'll I'll add some, (laughs) I'll add some more change to that. I think that the tagline is important because it has an implicit uh, component to it, which says that our function is not primarily to center any other narrative besides that of black women mm-hmm. um, with special attentiveness to black Christian women and their experiences. And it also, um, I think, helps people to understand that our role is not overtly didactic. We are not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so people learn when you engage anything in any way. So any form of music or art or literature, you're going to be learning when you experience it, when you're observing it. But we don't get together with Truth Table and look at it like curriculum. Mm-hmm. And as right. somebody who does, tr- who like I, I do training, I do intercultural training, I do anti-racism training, like we, like we know what that looks like. And I also know what it means to assess people based on where they are, where they enter the conversation conversation and how to um and how to engage them and to how to help how to help them grow. That's not the intention of Truth Table. Truth mm-hmm. Table's yeah. primary intention is not to say, how do we help white people to understand something? No. That no. is not the goal. Not and and I remember honestly, it's not even just um and I think uh Akimini, you kind of alluded to some folks who kind of wanted to dismantle the table. Um I remember hearing feedback from people of color, actually, who were like, I don't know if I can send this to my white friends because you guys are kind of edgy and, you know, may, they yeah. might get they might get lost in your tone or what you're saying. Yeah. I'm, like, why are you, I'm like, why are you sending it to your white friends? I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, you you can if you want to, but don't use us. Uh, in this capacity, when we get together for our weekly group therapy to be the voices that are going to help your white friends That's right. um, learn about anti-racism. There are other spaces where they can do that. This is not that. I mean, they can learn indirectly yeah. by, right, right. by the process of that all learning really takes, which is humility and listening. Mm-hmm. Right. So in that sense, I hope and pray that it's it's a gift to people who just want to come here and, and, and listen and get some, gain some insights. And here's the thing. It's 
it's three three black women from a certain generation in American culture right now. Mm-hmm. Right. We're not even representative of all black women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and so if if you listen, what you're really listening in, I hope, is that people are picking up on the gratitude that we have for God's providence and making us black women in America mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. And we want to capture that story, but we're not a teaching podcast. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think <laughs> I think we just needed to let people know that if you want to, th- there are great places to go for that. There are folks, that's their entire ministry and business. Um, and you can go to those spaces, uh, but this would not be a, a space for that primarily. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's it important. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's important. You're listening in on a conversation between friends. I mean, that's really what's happening there. So, right. so yeah, you're welcome to listen if you are not um, black. That way, you can know how to love. You know, the black women in your world, or maybe you don't have black women in your world. I mean, I know the stats show that non-black or uh, that white people actually don't have um, uh, people of color. I think seventy plus percent don't have people of color for friends. So, I mean. Uh, you know, but, but but yeah. Anyway, you can listen, but just know that we are friends, speaking, not us. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, lot yeah. yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, we lo- we love you in Jesus' name, but like, go out and meet some people. Like, it's very rare that you're in a city or a state that doesn't have any black people. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Go out and connect with the diversity of God's God's people and God's creation. So, yeah. Yep, yep. So yeah, that's great. That's <laughs> yeah. great. So so M, you're gonna you got a little something you're gonna dip dip into the mailbag for us? What's what's the next yeah, question? Yeah, I feel like very similar to the question about, you know, getting specific, being explicit about who we are. There's been questions about this terminology that we throw around, reformed speak, how we identify mm-hmm. as reformed theologically. So mm-hmm. how would y'all stretch that out and, and really make it plain, like the church folk taught us, to make it plain, baby? <laughs> when people yeah. hear that word, we do have listeners who aren't familiar with that. So what would we lay out for them? Yeah, how do you condense reformed theology into a two-minute answer? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I got seventy five thousand dollar debt from seminary. To, I don't know. Um, help me. It's a Westminster Confession of Faith answer for this. I'm Reparations work. now. No. Um. <laughs> I will take donations though. Um, so, <laughs> no, I mean, I guess the 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 the. Uh, how can I say this? I guess the easiest way for me to break it down is, um, I think about our God is, um. Uh, he, he works, uh, he deals with people through covenants, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, a, a covenant that is made between, uh, uh, made between God, you know, and man, something that's unbreakable, un, uh, it, it's stronger than say anything, you know, marriage is stronger than anything, you know, that any con- human contracts. How about that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, so I think about this. I remember learning this in seminary talking about how God wants to, my, my systematic, professor this he wants to confer himself to a holy people in a holy realm that's what god desired to do he did not need to do that god needs nothing from us um and but he desired to do that because he's just a good and gracious god and and so all of us are in covenant with this one true god right we're either alive in adam Okay, that means we're, we're uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that's a lie. Alive, mm-hmm. alive in Jesus Christ, who is the second Adam, sorry, mm-hmm. or dead in Adam, okay, and dead in our sins. So we are either living in obedience to God in every, in mind and body, or we're living in covenant disobedience, right? But we are still in covenant to God and we have um, this, I guess, lack, for lack of a better term, there's obligations or uh, covenant stipulations, shall we say. Mm-hmm. So I know it's getting really technical. I'm sorry. Okay. So, <laughs> um, but this is what I'll say. So believing that God has um, covenanted himself to um, a people. Okay. Um, and, and from, from the beginning of time until now, and then he is still calling people into covenant um, through the sacrifice of and, and obedience of his son, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so living in a way that you see where you understand God's sovereignty over salvation, um, even over sin, right. And over our lives and understanding the importance um, of God's 
own covenant commitment to uh, not only just use an individual, but to the body of Christ and to families, which is why I believe in infant baptism. So it isn't just something that has to do with salvation because people want to harp on tulip and think that's enough for reformed theology. No, I think uh, uh, God has um, um, covenanted himself to to families as well. And so, I, I don't know, I hope this makes sense, but but that's what I'm thinking about when I think about reformed theology. I'm thinking about the sovereignty of God in salvation, which also works itself through baptism um, as well, which means you're also committed to the local church body. Okay, if you love Jesus, you will love what he loves, and he loves his bride, and he went all the way to the cross, died, was buried, rose again, okay, on the third day, and he's going to come back, you know, and he's going to come back to judge you know, the living and the dead. So, so anyway, so we believe all of that. So that means you're belonging to a local body as well. So that's the way I would summarize it. I'm sorry that wasn't as concise as I wanted it to be, but it's more than tulip. It is more than tulip. That's what I'll say. It is more than tulip. That's all. It also plays into, I feel like it also plays into um, being a black woman who identifies as reformed is, has got to, has got to be (laughs) just, As Intozaki taught us, it is a metaphysical dilemma. Well, being alive and being a person of color and being reformed. Uh, the amazing thing about the theology that I hold dear true. is that the culture in which it is lived out despises me. Right. And so, I, and I think that leads to a number of other questions, but why? Why reformed? And why continue to say that? You know, I, right. I do believe that one of the most beautiful things about reformed theology is that it requires humility in the face of failure. It requires us to believe that we made the mess. And so it, it does help us with humility. But the other thing that it does is that it helps us with kinship and forgiveness. We have made the mess. And our creator, who is our redeemer, we got that creation, fall, redemption, renewal Mm -hmm. graphic that we use. Um, There's a beauty to believing that. And what that does for my black womanhood is it gives me value without anyone, even my fellow reformed thinkers. They Mm. don't even get to tell me what I'm worth or what I'm not worth. Exactly. I'm, I'm so glad you brought I that up. I have the right, yeah, and I have the right to challenge and say to them that God has created and established an equality and we are the ones who made a hierarchy of man. Mm. Yeah, no, that's good. You're, that's yeah. really good. So reform theology uh, for me is... Um, so what, one of the things I tell people when we get into these reform conversations, because I actually live, I think, in like little Geneva. I live in a part of <laughs> in a part yeah, of the do. country where people identify as reform. Now I don't. I mean, like if you people will say they're reform before they say that they're Christian, yeah, and um, it, for me that's problematic. What I tell people is that I am as reformed as God's holy scripture. Uh, allows me to be. <laughs> so um, so in as much as Reformed theology is being articulated uh, by the whole council of God's word, um, then I would say, yep, I'm Reformed. I hold to certain confessions, uh, historic confessions that I believe certainly are not above scripture by any way, shape, or form, but they do represent um, kind of an agreement upon articulated truth about certain uh, components of our faith, like the nature of salvation or the identity of, of God um, or the or the work of the church or the role or the work of the Holy Spirit, right? There may be some agreed upon things that we have. And so some of us are a part of confessional traditions, whereas there might be traditions where uh, that local body or that maybe it's a non-denominational church, um, the leadership of that church is kind of making up or, or indicating what the system of faith or the system of theology is that is operating in that church. Um, reform folks would say that there are some agreed upon confessional statements and systems that, that are guiding, um, those ministries and those local church communities. Um, I would also say that reform theology is, is what some people refer to as big 
God theology. Mm-hmm. And so, Kimini, you alluded to that it's it's more than tulip. If I had to sum up Reformed theology, though, in one word, I would call it grace. It is a theology that centers on God's active work in the world, God's active um, active love, God's commitment through covenant to God's creation and God's people. And all of those are expressions of this beautiful attribute of, of God, which is gracious. And the other attribute that I would say that Reformed theology appears to capture very well is the holiness of God. So both God as holy and God as gracious. And those two things, I think for us in the world and even us in the church or wherever, um, it's hard for us to put those two things together. This God that is gracious beyond understanding and -hmm. at the same time, holy beyond, beyond understanding. How do we put those two things together? And as a Reformed person, I approach scripture with those two attributes of God very fresh on my mind. Every passage that I read, I think about the profoundness of God's holiness. I think about the profoundness of God's grace. Mm, How is God communicating just how holy and other God is in this text? And how is God still communicating just how gracious and loving God is in this text? And so um, that is what guides me, I think, in my Reformed hermeneutics as I approach scripture. Um, but oftentimes when people hear reform, what we what we tend to think of in our current American context is that it can become a, a bit of an intellectualism idol. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm in reform spaces, I will use the language. When I am not in reform spaces, I don't, because I don't mm-hmm. think it's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually think it can be a, a hindrance to uh, Christian unity among brothers and sisters who love the Lord, (laughs) maybe more than I do, um, but who represent different uh, traditions and backgrounds. And I think it can be an unnecessary barrier. And I think it's also a theology and a a system of theology that can lend itself to being very puffed up um, Mm -hmm. as it relates to intellectualism. So it's not kind of sola experiential in the sense that we might look at other traditions and say, well, they're focusing on experience and maybe how they feel. And I would say that Reformed theology's big error is that they often believe that their intellect is not just as fallen as their emotions. That's right. Um, Mm -hmm. And in that sense, I would caution my Reformed peoples (laughs) um, to, to exercise a great deal of humility and to know that God is wisdom and not us. Yeah, no, that's good. I think, um, for me, if I could chime in real quick and then we'll move on. But, uh, cause this is a big question. Um, I, I love that you guys brought out the holiness of God, the grace of God. That was, that's huge. That, that was mm-hmm. for me in Reformed theology. That, that was a big thing. Cause I think I was always a bit insecure about my salvation. Am I saved? Am I not? Am I really in Christ? Like, you know, um, and so that was something mm-hmm. that was huge for me. And then also, uh, image of God, creation. Huge having those categories: creation, fall, redemption, mm-hmm. uh, restoration. Those those are huge. Creation is is everything. It's fundamental to the anti-racism work that we all do. Mm-hmm. Uh, without <laughs> without being actually in the image of God, then we actually have no grounds to actually plead for justice, to fight for justice, um, to even care about justice. Yeah. And so, uh, so for me, um, that's 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 a big thing that I um, anchor all of my work in. And so it, it serves in a lot of ways as a covenant lawsuit against the racist people right. in this segment of uh, evangelicalism. Now, I'm not saying everybody is, but there are a lot of racists in this corner. And so, yeah. so it is, it serves as a covenant lawsuit where it's just like, I'm, I'm showing you through the word okay <laughs> not by the word of a, a man we love our, the, our theologians or whatnot and you know i can't get with the puritans personally i don't rock with the puritans i don't read the puritans because you enslaved my people but <laughs> um but the word that's, that's hard that's hard that's I, I i cannot ever get over that and so i um so i just want to make that very clear to our listeners <laughs> um, so i i'm showing this to you at, you know so it's like so i'm bringing you know, it, 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 that's what God did. Yahweh, he would show them when he was in company, these people like, y'all are in breach of contract here. Mm-hmm. You know, And so what it is, is I'm just showing you in the word what the word of God says about justice, what it says about um, the spilt blood, you know, of Charlena Lyles, you know, and Tamir Rice and Emmett Till and 
so on and so forth. Um, and so, so anyway, so that, that to me is a huge thing. So I actually believe, uh, believe it or not, I actually truly believe in my heart of hearts that actually reformed theology actually has some very real answers for black people. Um, if we can really hold on to the core of the actual theology, which is rooted in the scriptures, um, I actually think it has some very real implications, um, for our liberation. Okay. Um, and I, I think about even black Presbyterians of old, Francis Grimke, who, hello, started the NAACP. He wasn't the only one, but he was a part of that. He was reformed. You know, so I think there's some things we need to resurrect from the past. But anyways, we didn't spent like 50 minutes on this one question. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully you got a good little yeah. glimpse. I hope it's helpful. You know, stay tuned, you know, and yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so let's see what, okay. Uh, who, who, who's next? See, you got a question in the bag for us. And I do, uh, although I'm really am percolating about the reform state question, to be honest with you. Um, but, <laughs> but, but I will press forward. I would say, um, Maybe we need to do an episode. I don't know. Maybe we will. We'll see. I, you know, I, th- I, I think we could do one just on uh, Christianity 101 and yeah, um, we could. We need just to. our, yeah, our, just kind of our, our belief system. And um, yeah, I think it'd be helpful. Yes. So I've got a question in here that has like a hundred questions within one question. Um, and so I will try to, I will try to massage this into one thought like question. Um which is basically, how do you negotiate the oppression Olympics? And how do you interface with people who pit maybe one injustice against another or want the rankings of them or use an injustice in order to silence the work of uh, folks who are attempting to seek out um, mm. kind of earthly social, nat- you know, justice? Um so anyway, that's my that's my remix of those sent, the sentiments that uh, were captured in that email. So, what are you all thinking? First of all, oppression Olympics, like what is that? Uh, right. <laughs> I know we all have a sense, but maybe we should kick out what we mean what we mean by that. And then, yeah, how do you how do you interface with folks who kind of do the ranking process? And you got this. You got this. Is what you do? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. Uh, so. So to make it as concrete as possible, I I see a lot of erasure happening when Black women talk about their experiences in Girl, racism. Talk about um, it. And when we experience <laughs> all-out racist abuse, <sighs> some of the first people to rush either, quote-unquote, to our aid or to our at, um, uh-huh. want to talk about white feminism. Come on. And so in the interplay of us crying out for intersectionality, as in specifically discussing misogynoir, what mm-hmm. we end up experiencing is erasure in the oppression Olympics of, well, as a white woman, I've been picked on to. And ain't nobody saying that your pain ain't pain, boo-boo. Yeah, yeah. But there, there is an abuse. There is a sick self-centeredness that comes into play when we don't rehearse the humility of hearing each other without chiming in to make sure that we know that nobody gets to be on top when it comes to pain. And so I really feel that this has a detrimental effect on our coalition building. Mm. I think it has a detrimental effect on friendship building. I'm like, forget working together. We actually haven't gone through, well, and, you know, let's take this to the church. We haven't gone through the spiritual discipline of hearing each other without trying to fix something or make sure everyone knows how smart we are. We haven't gone through the spiritual practice of hearing and lamenting with. I was Mm. reading a book. I won't tell you who wrote it, but I was reading a book a couple weeks ago (laughs) um, about Ruth and Naomi returning after all the tragedies that have struck them. And Naomi is crying out about pain and how just 
Kill me now. I wish I were dead. There's nothing good left in my life. And the author presumes that Ruth is standing beside her thinking, wait a minute, what about me? Mm. And I'm reading this book where the author, a, a, a fine upstanding, you know, I presume, Christian person saying, we have to remember that Ruth is, is, probably just tampering down her feelings of frustration that Naomi is talking like her life is over and forgetting that Ruth is there. And I'm like, wait a minute, man. Maybe maybe Ruth is just being a good daughter-in-law. And she doesn't think that Naomi describing her pain is actually diminishing her. There you go. I mean, that that is one of the most asinine interpretations of a woman crying out in lament I have ever heard, and it comes directly from the presumption that everyone in the room must have as much to say, as much platform. Everything has to be equal in so many ways. And this is exactly what happens in the story of crying out about racial injustice. The minute one person begins to share their pain, it is a heart issue that makes others say, hold up. You're not the only one hurting. In fact, it is better for us, in my opinion, to hear each other discuss pain and not come back in with our stories and experiences. It is the changing of the heart, to me, the transformation of the heart that's going to make coalition building better. And that is why tables like ours are important, where Black people can come, Black women can come and discuss their pain, and we will be more readied to honestly sympathize with white women who go through stuff, to sympathize with our Asian brothers and sisters who go through stuff, because we have the spaces to act out, to lament, to cry out, so that we can hear when other people do and not push forward to advance our own pain. So I think that we do need to have these separate spaces, but it really won't shift unless we have a personal experience of humility. Good. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't, I don't have anything to add. <laughs> I think no, seriously, I think that's 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 really good. Um, I hope, I hope that 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 person can really take that, you know, that that to heart because I think that was a good good point about Ruth and Naomi. And I mean, yeah, maybe Ruth was actually mourning with her. <laughs> I mean, so maybe I, 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 she didn't. I mean, uh, anyway, you don't know, right? But we, yeah, but we project a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we make arguments from silence when scripture really hasn't actually, re- you know, said anything about maybe what she was thinking about. So, anyways, I, yeah, that was really good insight right there. Very good mm-hmm. stuff. Good stuff. All right. Who has the next question for us? I think you do. <laughs> help. It is you that came in. Help, help, help. Okay. All right. Let me. Oh, it's kind question. of akin to the previous one a little bit. Wait a minute. Let me dig into this. Uh, let me see. Where is this question? Oh, yes. Okay. So the question came from a dear listener um, who says, um, you know, as a, a white woman, how do I learn? without asking questions. And so I think this is a, this question was uh, asked in um, very in a genuine manner. And uh, it, the listener is really wondering to, wanting to know, how do I continue to learn without asking questions? You know, I have, you know, plenty of white friends and we talk, you know, about um, a lot of the stuff and how, what it looked like, what it might look like for us to be allies um, but I'm afraid of overstepping my boundaries because I don't want to make, you know, uh, um, I don't know. I, I guess I wouldn't want to exacerbate the pain um, of a black mm-hmm. sister. Right. So how mm-hmm. how do I um, as a white woman, how do I continue to learn without asking questions? That is the question. Any thoughts from y'all? Hmm. There's a Kendrick Lamar song about it. But... <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Start with Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> yes, Kendrick Thomas, I guess, apparently. I have not heard that song. Yeah, I think, so, you know, so there's lots of feedback, I think, in um, anti-racism spaces where people, um, rightfully so, will speak to 
how inappropriate it is to place the burden on people of color right. to educate educate racial majority people about everything and that it and that it can also be re-traumatizing. So I'm I'm thinking that mm-hmm. this question is couched uh, within this person having some awareness of yeah. of that pushback and that very real critique. I think the person in me who does cultural orientation work. I'm not, you know, white people learn through questions, like not all white people on the planet, but Mm -hmm. this is definitely a cultural orientation difference. And so there are some cultures that are doing cultures and there are being cultures. And it's not uncommon, for example, in black culture for us to learn about a person by being with them. It's an it's an observational discernment. It's a kind of a, a, a felt. Doesn't mean that not, there are not black people who have a style of, of understanding person or neighbor by asking questions in the same way we would associate with Western culture. But there are some. But but generally speaking, there are some distinctions. And so, what happens when a person from a doing culture, or you know, twenty questions, <laughs> twenty questions culture, um, wants to learn about the pain of a person from a being culture? Mm-hmm. That's tough. That's hard. Um, and so I but but I think if you really want to learn about someone's pain, then you have to be prepared to demonstrate solidarity by demonstrating cultural adaptation and and humbling yourself to to go into a being mode mm-hmm. of practicing nearness of listening of presence. Right. Presence without critique, just presence via solidarity, um, and to be able to observe uh, someone's story, to observe someone's, someone's hurt. Um, it, so I would, I would throw that out there, and I would say that's, the, that's probably a rule of thumb, not just for white people who are trying to hear about black people's pain. Whatever group that you're trying to go to to hear about their pain, because you, let's say you genuinely love them and care about this person and you want to understand, then you actually do put on the burden of cultural adaptation to be able to hear your neighbor well. If it's if it's really about hearing your neighbor well, if it's really about being light and soft, if it's really about ministering to them and putting them over yourself, then in those moments you you acquiesce. In those moments, you humble yourself to pick up some of the cultural narrative so that you might be able to connect, that you might be able to communicate in a way that's authentic and that person hears you. Mm-hmm. So if the person is from a being culture and they're hurt, then you're going to have to embody some being <laughs> being culture yeah. connect, connection in order to do that. I also think as a person who knows what it's like, and I bet, I'm sure we all have many stories about having a white person attempt to get to know us mm-hmm. through a hundred questions. <laughs> So, so like, like visiting a church and someone's like, where are you from? Are you reformed? What are you doing? How'd you get here? We don't like, like, it's like a thousand. Do you stay at home? Do you work? Do you do this? Are you kids? I mean, it's so stressful. Yeah, it's very stressful. And my, and my guess is, you know, I'm not in the heart of the white folks that are doing this. My guess is they think that this is like how you get to know someone. And maybe in their cultural context, it is. Mm-hmm. Certainly for the people of color who are experiencing it, because of our history and our reality, it feels like, oh, okay, you're sizing me up. You're, you're, you're checking my credentials. Mm-hmm. You're verifying Taking my salvation. My am I, yes, am I, am I reformed enough for you? Did I say the right buzzwords in this moment? So, it, and, um, and this is why just living into being being with people and not trying to control um, the anxiety of being with someone who's different than you can yes, can right. really communicate wanting to connect and wanting to have togetherness. So mm-hmm. that's good. Mm-hmm. So long answer, but yeah, that's, no, that's a little cultural orientation work. No, that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. You're, you're the expert here on that. Amen. <laughs> you are. Some, some Lord, Lord knows we ain't. <laughs> I'm like, go learn yourself. Google. <laughs> Google.com, saints. Google.com. Google Google is your friend, though. I'm just saying. It is. You know, come on. Don't just buy small beginnings now. (laughs) I'm I'm totally with you. (laughs) Em, I see that your hand is jiggling the bag. What do you have for us, Gil? (laughs) So we've got um, just a, a consistent influx of questions from our sisters who are always yes. wondering, how do we do it? How do we survive? 
<laughs> our different contexts. And um, and that's part of why I really appreciate the question from our uh, white family members who are asking, mm-hmm. you know, how do we mm-hmm. learn? I think it is hard to be in some of the spaces if you're in evangelical spaces that lean more conservative or in any kind of church spaces that lean um, more reformed, then you'll end up surrounded a little bit. So how do we survive? How do we um, get refreshed? And uh, there's always the question of how, how, how long you here for? Are you going, is this like- <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm here to stay. Hey. <laughs> oh man. But to me that, that raises the, I mean, it really raises the idea of deciding to trust, right? So right. that's what that's what I'm doing. That's what we're doing. We're deciding mm-hmm. to trust in the Lord, and <laughs> we would ask our our white allies to decide to trust. Um, I don't think that it's bad that so many of our friends have a ton of questions, but I also don't think it's wrong for us to challenge and to mm-hmm. ask them. Here's a question from us to you. Can you trust me without asking questions? (laughs) When I got arrested multiple times during the Ferguson uprising, the only thing that people that I worked with, the people that I served with, that white folks that I met who um, said, oh, we love you. We want you to speak at our church, but you just have to make sure and explain why you were okay with getting arrested. And I thought, you know, would you ask this of the Apostle Paul? Um, do we, does everything have to be so explicit in, in so many different terms or do we trust each other because I claim to have the same blood running through my veins as you, right? So is the blood of Jesus the thing that makes us family? And Mm -hmm. so I do think that survival and getting through together is a fair question. Because we do have listeners who are out there who may not have, uh, whether it's the tools or even um, the emotional therapy space to come and get refreshed so that they're ready for those questions, to have answers to those yeah. questions. Mm-hmm. So I do wonder, you know, what would y'all say to our listeners who ask us this question all the time? Um, how would we respond to them? <laughs> you So... Um, Kimmy, you got something you want to say right now? <laughs> You're leading in with your trauma laughter. Um, I, know. I guess <laughs> trauma funny. laughing, trauma funny. laughing at all trauma times. Funny. We also uh, tell on each other on this podcast. Trauma exactly. We're always telling each other. So here's the thing: we tell on ourselves. I'd be like, I'm too loose. I'm saying too much. No. <laughs> <laughs> and to tighten up. Uh, well, this is what I say: Number one, find your village, a holy village. And so, because <laughs> you need some people to go check you and strengthen you and push you in the Lord. Um, yeah. That's one. Number two, resources. So part of, I mean, the part of the reason why we the table was built is um, uh, that we lay down our lives, right? <laughs> um, you know, and I don't know how we get over it, but we do somehow by the grace of God. Uh, so that maybe this could be a, a, a just a 30 minutes of just refuge and ref- respite for y'all, really, um, is what we hope. Right. We just hope, hopefully we're, we're voicing some of, we can't, we're, 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 um, we're dynamic and multifaceted. So obviously we don't speak for everybody, but hopefully there's something in here that catches and resonates with you. So listen to truth table, <laughs> tell your friends, tell your homegirls. Um, but I would also say, um, take advantage of the resources that are available. So, um, we do have the black Christian woman survival guide that we recorded back in March, I'd say. So trying to go back through our feed and listen to that as many times as you need. Um, but also, so come to LDR. Uh, the LDR weekend, which Michelle can tell us more about, um, is actually <laughs> designed uh, for uh, people of color who are um, who are Christians, who are Orthodox in their faith, um, but who have also have a passion for social justice because they understand that God is a God of justice. So that's an opportunity for you to just come, exhale, um, get your worship on, run around the church, uh, <laughs> whatever you need to do. You know, you come to the altar. We will, you're slain in the spirit. We'll put down a, some cloth for you, whatever, you know, because, uh, you know, we're black reform folks. So, 
you know, we believe in the spirit, you know, and we, yeah. And so, <laughs> and so, so yeah, so that's an opportunity um, for you to just, you know, just come and to be and to live. Uh, so, so that would be my own two cents there. Oh, and you can register at ldrweekend.com and you'll see that we've been promoting it on our Truth Table account and on Instagram and on Twitter, we've been promoting it as well. And so you could just see more, more stuff about that. What about you, uh, Christina? What would you say how to survive amongst what what are we saying amongst racist just, shenanigans is that really the heart of this question <laughs> like, yeah, is that what we're I think, yeah i think that's really <laughs> what the question is really yeah 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 so yeah i so um so we are commanded to love um and I think that is something that I have been my 2017. Y'all know my 2017 spiritual goal is yes. uh, learning how to love those you do not trust um, or learning how to love those who, whether intentionally or unintentionally, are harmful to you um, and maybe even to your kids, you know, mm-hmm. um, with their behaviors, ideas, uh, their worldviews, um, and maybe even the use of their theologies at time. So, so that's really been my goal. And I think one of the things that has been, and so racism certainly plays into that, along with other, other things that are, are harmful, um, is to really be reflective about the grace that God has uh, given to me through Jesus Christ. So the gospel itself. The gospel is key. Yeah, the gospel itself has been my anchor. Uh, it, it has helped to deflate, I believe, which it puffs up at all the time, some degrees of self-righteousness. Yeah. Um, about certain sins, right? Um, so sin, sins that impact the future of my black daughters, Mm. They they grate me. Social sins that impact the futures of my black daughters. <laughs> I could talk about them all day long because right, 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 I love right. I love my children deeply, <laughs> um, and I feel like I'm I live in a, a country that literally the Christian Church has used this theology to to do just that at times, and so I um, so that wound is very deep and it's very real for me, um, and so I'm so so I'm so I'm, I'm trying to hold tight to the truth that is in the gospel, which is that we are all in desperate need of an absolute fundamental makeover from the inside out. Um, And that I have every right, though, because of the gospel, to speak truth in love, right? And so I can talk about uh, social sins, and I can talk about my personal sins, like my struggles to forgive and my, Mm -hmm. um, uh, gosh, my... You know, the, the, the fact that I don't love God as much as I should love God, <laughs> like that in and of itself is a huge sin. Um, but but I can I can be honest about those things and I can still receive the grace that is mine, won by my Lord Jesus. And so that's a grace that even in truth sharing the realities of social sins with my neighbors, I can also share the reality of the gospel that is also for them as well. Um, so that gives me hope. And plus, I, you guys have heard me say this before. I really do see myself as a missionary in uh, the different spaces that I have found myself in. I have a really strong sense of self, like my own gender and race and mm-hmm. you know, who I am. And so I don't feel, um, there are some people, if they were to go into a predominantly white space or a space that was different than their own racial or ethnic identity, I think they would struggle with a sense of losing self. And um, I don't, like I, like, no, yeah. I love black people and I, <laughs> I'm good to go. <laughs> right, right on that. I'm not reformed because I'm anti-black. Let me be clear about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for some people that that's an attraction, whether it's implicit or explicit to it. Um, so, but because of that, I feel like I can go into spaces and be willing to um, not, not ever lose my identity, but be able to, to watch someone else, watch someone else's story humbly um, without having to, um, take up all the space. This is a part of the therapist in me. It's about creating space for other people. And so that missionary kind of attitude in me is one that says, what can I say? What can I do for the good of my, my neighbor, even my racist neighbor, Mm -hmm. um, even my 
my sexist neighbor, even my um, intolerant neighbor, even my neighbor who thinks that all Christians are stupid. Well, you know what? Just the long list, right? Whatever, um, yeah. mm-hmm. whatever it might be. What can I do? What can I do to? Um, how can the Lord can use me strategically to show them the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because at the end of the day, their soul is more precious than my feelings. Just like black bodies are more precious than white feelings, right? Um, and so that, I think, is what keeps me in those spaces and what keeps me grounded um, is that I don't go alone. I go with the gospel. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah, that's good. Yeah, the gospel is definitely key. I mean, sin is the great equalizer. It is. Um, and so none of us can boast. Um, none of us can, you know, uh, elevate uh, ourselves um, or exalt ourselves above the other or should not though that's our natural tendency so I think that's that's really that's key we have to preach the gospel to ourselves every day and you have to know uh, that God has called you to whatever season whatever space that you're in he sets the members of the body where it pleases him um, and your call is to be faithful and to be obedient in those spaces um, but mm-hmm. obedience does not um, equal what can you say? Uh, subservience, right? <laughs> doesn't mean, no, no, no. Your obedience might mean boldness. Absolutely. Right. It might actually call you to be bold, right? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It might call you to bring the sword, you know? Uh, so it just, it just depends, you know, um, you have to really be led of the Lord and, uh, um, and be in tune to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit might be, might be speaking to you um, in that moment, in that season and, and all of those things. So I'm glad you, you did bring that up. So, and that's one thing you'll get from Truth Sable, the gospel. You go preach the gospel, <laughs> actually preach the gospel and actually say what the gospel is. Okay. The gospel is not a magic word. Oh, you actually have to ex- explicate what it is, you know, mm-hmm. um, and knowing that, you know, each of us, we were all enemies of the cross and God sent his very best. He sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins of, 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 of selfishness, of unrighteousness, all of those things. Even as we fight for justice, though it's a worthy cause, we often have ill motives, right? Because the mm. the, the, synth, the heart is so wicked. Um, above all else, who can understand it? Who can know it? Only God knows. You know, um, he knows. You know, he knows everything that we're doing. And even our good deeds, you know, they're filthy rags to God. So I think that's that should keep us really humble and keep us really low. Um, and so that's what we hope to do. That's what we endeavor to do. We don't do it perfectly, obviously because we are we're sinners but um but hopefully we answered y'all's mailback questions but look we want this dialogue to go back and forth so it isn't just y'all asking us questions that's tell us uh, tell us where you're from tell us where you live uh tell us your age your race tell us why you listen to truth table i'm actually very curious to hear why people listen to this (laughs) at all So please, no, seriously, do, uh, you can either email us at asktruthstable at gmail.com or you can tweet us on the Twitters um, at uh, truthstable. So seriously, we do want to hear from you. We want to hear what you're getting out of the podcast, why you're listening, uh, why you're even recommending us um, uh, to your friends. Because yeah, I think it's, it is interesting now that we've actually explicitly stated again what the podcast is. I think it would be interesting to hear you know, like why, why you're listening. Uh, I, I just would love to, we would all love to hear that from you all. Um, so yeah, so thank you all for taking a seat at the table with us this week. want to thank, of course, Michelle and Christina for answering the mailbag questions. And please, let's keep the conversation going. Do to, do tweet us um, why you listen to True Table, who you are, where you're from, what your race is. And, and yeah, we just want to have a little Truth Table party in the social media streets. Um, and, I, and we are planning on... <laughs> <laughs> doing some, you know, some um, actual like slated times to actually talk um, on 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 the Twitter. So stay tuned for that. Uh, yeah. So follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Truth Table. Remember, email us at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on the Satchel Podcast Player. Truth Table is made possible by Podesterry Studios. Visit Podesterry com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. And we have been your hosts, Akemini, Michelle, and Christina. We will see you all soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.